Hello, thank you for joining us for the Seed to Sow podcast. My prayer is that you will be blessed by today's word. Psalm 13, and I'm reading from the New International Version. Psalm 13, and this is how it reads. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. If you have your Bible, you're not afraid to underline in there, underline that sentence, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come to the point where we pause, oh God. We stop everything else and we push out every thought. We cast down every imagination that might interfere with what you have to say to us this morning. God, we don't just want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. God, you know where we are. You know what the challenges have been and what the challenges are ahead and the things that trouble us and concern us even as I speak, oh God. So we ask in the name of Jesus that you would do what only you can do, that through your Holy Spirit you will meet our needs, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would pour out your Spirit in us and around us and through us. Give us spiritual ears so that we can hear. Give us a mind of understanding so that we can comprehend what it is you have to say to us at this moment. We love you, God, and we trust you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let nothing, let nothing be said from my mouth that is not directed, inspired, rubber stamped, sanctioned by you, O God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, God my strength, and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to share with you for a few minutes from the subject, Finding the Worth in the Wait. 
finding the worth in the weight. Now, I'm talking about W-A-I-T, not W-E-I-G-H-T. I know this is January and people are consumed with W-E-I-G-H-T, but I'm talking about the worth in the weight, W-A-I-T. Yesterday, I was sitting in the kitchen and I had started typing some notes on my iPad the night before, before I fell asleep. And I was sitting at the counter in the kitchen. I started typing on and reading what I had written before. And I stopped to get something to drink, and I was approached by this persistent little person, a little girl who is sometimes known as my granddaughter, Dallas. And in her sweetest voice, she looked at me and looked at the iPad and said, Nana, can I play with that? I said, not now, Dallas. I'll let you play with it later. She stopped for a moment and she said, but I want to write some words. She was very persistent. I, but I want to, I want to use it now. I said, Dallas, not now. I'm working on something. Come back later. I continued what I was doing and wasn't long before I heard these little footsteps approaching again. And I heard that same little persistent voice. And she said, Nana, it's later now. Now, I see many things in my granddaughter that remind me of myself. And at that moment, I had to admit to myself that I am like my granddaughter with God at times. There are times when I have said to God after what seemed like a very long trial, a very long challenge, a very long period of waiting, I've said to God, God, it's later now. There are times when I have felt that these problems, these challenges were never ending and that they've gone on long enough. And I've said to God, I know you're in control of this thing. I know you're working things out, but it's later now. The writer of this 13th Psalm is in a similar frame of mind. Although it is a very short psalm, it is one that many people have written about. And the preacher Charles Spurgeon called this psalm the howling psalm. Because the writer of this psalm says to God not less than four times, How long, O Lord? Have you ever been there? Where you said to God, God, how long does this have to go on? How long do I have to wait? How long is long enough? Maybe you're in that place this morning and perhaps you've been forced to endure a period of trial or challenge, a 
endurance and you find yourself not in a sprint but in a marathon. If we're honest with ourselves. There are times in the life of every believer when it feels like our situations must surely have passed their expiration. There are times when it just seems like a trial will never end and when the stress and anxiety build up and we feel like we're close to our breaking point and we can't take it anymore and we say to God, how long, oh Lord? We can hear this in the words of the psalmist, he says in verse 1, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? In other words, it seems like you have forgotten what you allowed me to go through. How long will you hide your face from me? In other words, I can't see you in this. I don't understand what you're accomplishing in this. I don't see your hand moving. I don't see relief coming. Will you hide your face from me forever? Verse 2 says, How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? Is there ever a let up on this thing? Do I have to continually question myself and search my heart and try to figure out myself what's going on here? says, how long will my enemies triumph over me? And then he says, look on me and answer, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. Let me see something. Give me some hope, God. Shed a little light in this situation. Help me to know what you're doing. In verse 4, he says, my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. You know, it's one thing to endure a situation when there's somebody around who's kind of sympathetic and empathetic with what you're going through, but another thing when you know there are people who know that you are a believer and they're standing back and they're sneering and saying where is your God now how's he gonna work it out now it doesn't look like he's coming through it looks like you're suffering just like an unbeliever it's one thing when people are helping you but the psalmist said my enemy is gonna say I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. It's one thing to endure, not just the gloating of others, but when people willfully put stumbling blocks in your way. Well, what do you do when how long has been so long? What do you do when you're at the end of your rope, when you're dangling by a thread, when it seems like it's gone on much too long, when it seems like God has forgotten what you're going through, when it seems like you're the only one who has to go through this, that you're the only one who's had to suffer this way, and 
and it's gone on too long. I came by to tell you, Bethany, this morning that there is worth in your wicked. And I want to tell you how to find the worth in your wait. I want to tell you that you are not going through just for nothing, that God has not forgotten. He has not stepped back from your situation, that he is not hiding his face from you. But there are things that he needs you to do to find the worth in this wait. is to focus your faith. Verse 5 says, but I trust in your what kind of love? Unfailing love. I've got some good news for you this morning, Bethany. God's love is
She said, it is situated and it is created so that the only way that gate is going to open is if you drive your car over that platform and put that full weight of your vehicle on it. See, if you walk up to it, that's not enough weight. But in order for that entrance to open, you've got to put the full weight of your vehicle on that platform. What am I trying to say? If you want to see God move in your life, you need to put your full weight on the fact that his love is unfailing. God, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve your grace and mercy. There's nothing I can do to earn it. There's nothing I did to deserve you saving me. But I thank you, Lord, that your love is unfailing. Psalm 32.10 says, Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. So step one, focus your faith on his unfailing love. Step number two, fix your heart. Fix your heart. He said in verse in the second part he says my heart rejoices in your salvation you've got to fix your heart you've got to decide that I'm going to rejoice I have made up my mind that my praise and my worship and my thanksgiving my gratitude to God is not dependent on what happens around me or what happens in me I have decided rejoice in your salvation you know there are times when as a believer and you know sometimes when you're a young Christian when you're a baby Christian and you you first get saved and things are going well and you feel the blessings of God flowing in your life and then something happens and wham and knocks the wind out of you and you say but wait a minute I thought I was saved I, I thought everything was gonna be all right now because I, I just felt the blessings of God flowing and something must be wrong. My salvation must have gone out the window. But you know what? As you walk with the Lord, when you mature in the Lord, you come to a place where you understand that there are times when you just got to fold your arms and plant your feet and look up to God and say, God, I trust you anyhow. You got to fix your heart. when you fix your heart, when you decide to rejoice in God's salvation, when you are determined that you're going to hold on to what God said, no matter what happens. In the 8th century, there was a, a people called the Phrygians who had a legend. And this legend said that every time they conquered an enemy, the victor would absorb the strength of his victim and add to his own strength in battle. That when he overcame another soldier, that that soldier's strength would enter into his strength 
and make him stroke. And so it is spiritually that when temptation and struggle and patience are victoriously met and they double our spiritual strength and equipment, it is possible not just to endure a delay, but to be strengthened by it. Let me say that again. It is possible thus to not only endure a delay, but to be strengthened by it. By the grace of God, the time spent waiting and struggling makes us stronger, and we emerge from our trial with a faith that is greater than when we went in. You see the worth in our wait is that God uses our delays to move us to maturity in our faith and to expand our capacity for the supernatural. So we can come to a place where our hearts are fixed anyway, where we can say to God, I trust you anyway, where we can look at obstacles and rest in the fact that God is in control anyway. You see, God has to break out of these boxes we want to put him in. See, we put God in these boxes and we say, well, God, I think you're going to do it this way because that's how you did it before. I think this is how you can operate because this is how I've seen you operate before. But God has to bring us to a place where he expands our capacity and our perception and revelation of him where we understand there is no limit to what he can do or how he can do it. We want to be at the place where we expect the miraculous, where it doesn't bomb us upside the head and surprise us, but that miracles are happening every day. And we know it is a part of our inheritance. Some years ago, scientists developed what they call the marshmallow test. And in this marshmallow test, they took a group of children. And they would take each child individually and put them in a room by themselves. And they would put a marshmallow in front of them. And they would say to each child, now, you can eat this marshmallow now. Or you can wait a little while and have two marshmallows. And they tested each in the group of this ch these children. They paid very close attention by watching from a window nearby to see which one would eat the marshmallow and which ones were able to delay their gratification and have two marshmallows later. The interesting thing about the study was that what they found was that those children who were able to wait for two marshmallows, were able to delay their gratification because they knew there was a greater reward after the wait. When they follow 
that group of children throughout their lives in high school and in college and as they went into their careers, what they found was that those children who were able to delay their gratification were more successful by far than those who just had to grab that marshmallow. Do you think the scientists know more than God? Do you think that God doesn't know that when he takes us through this period of waiting, of struggle, of trusting, of believing, that there is a greater reward on the other side? Bethany, our challenge, our job is to know that if God causes us to wait, it is because he's getting the bigger blessing ready for us. God has a track record of working for those who wait for him. Think about Abraham and how he waited for the promise. He considered him faithful who had made the promise. He continued to believe and he moved when God said move. And as a result, his descendants numbered more than the sands of the beach. Think about Jacob when he wrestled with the angel and he wrestled with him all night and the angel said, I got to go. And Jacob said, oh no, you're not leaving me. I'm not letting go. I'm not giving up. You've got to bless me first. Think about Martha standing outside the tomb of her brother Lazarus when Jesus showed up later than they wanted him to. And she said to Jesus, Jesus, I wish it had worked out a different way. We thought you were going to work it out so that you healed him before he died. But I believe even now. This capacity for patient waiting that God is building in us is for our future good. It is preparation for the greater blessing. So step one, focus your faith. Step two, fix your heart. And finally, step three, you know I had to have a step three. Fire up your phone. The psalmist said, I will. I will sing to the Lord. For he has been what? He has been good to me. You know, every believer ought to have a song. And you know the song you start off with when you get saved about how grateful you are for salvation. That song ought to change as you go through experiences with the Lord. You ought to fire up a new song while you're waiting for your change to come, while you're waiting for God to answer. When you're waiting for your deliverance, you ought to fire up your song. You see, nothing makes the enemy matter than to see that a child of God is going through, that he's suffering, that he's waiting for God, that he's feeling let down, but then have him fire up a song. When you start singing your song and singing it loud and singing it in the face of the enemy, sing from your heart, you will be surprised. You see, the psalmist said, wait a minute. I know it's been a long time. I know I don't see my deliverance yet, he said, but I will say. I will say. You know, that's a determined statement. I will say. No, enemy, you're not going to 
people on faith. If he did nothing else, he's already proven himself to me. He's already worked miracles in my life. He's already made a way out of no way. I don't know what the future holds, but he's holding me right now. I've got a song that the angels can't sing. You've got to fire up your song. Join us again next week for the Seed to Sow podcast with Reverend Lisa Weathers Hall. You can also reach us by email at seed to sow ministry at gmail.com. S E E D T O S O W ministry at gmail.com. God bless you.